seat. My name is Byron. I get the great privilege to be able to serve here as the lead pastor. And I am excited that you are here today because today we're going to be kicking off a brand new sermon series that we are calling We Are Redemption. It is an introduction, a reintroduction to who we are as a church. And we're going to be spending the next seven weeks discussing our core values. These are certain things that we believe that as you participate and engage in these five things, you are guaranteed to experience life change through Jesus. It's who we are. It's what we do. It's why we exist to help people experience life change through Jesus. So if you're new, you probably went online to figure out the service times. You saw a big banner on our website that says life change through Jesus. If you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, our bio says we help people experience life change through Jesus. When you walked into the lobby, there was a big, there was a big sign on the wall that says life change through Jesus. And if you join one of the serve teams, in our morning huddle every single week, here's what we do. We count it down. We go one, two, three, life change through. Jesus. There we go. Everybody says Jesus. Let's try it all together. One, two, three, life change through. Jesus. Life change through. Jesus. That's why we exist as a church. And so we're going to spend the next couple of weeks discussing how we experience life change through Jesus together. This is the first vision series that we've done since COVID. And six years ago, when Ashley and I planted this church, We Are Redemption was the very first sermon series that we ever did. We took time to walk through our core values and introduce ourselves to the community. And then following COVID, we did another We Are Redemption sermon series because so many people were new. We need to get back on mission and vision with one another. And here we are, and we're gonna do it again because there's so many new people who call redemption home. Can I just brag on God for a second? Is that okay? Can we do that in church? Let's just brag on God, right? The last time we did this series, our church was averaging about 150 people. Go ahead and throw that slide up there. This is where we're at today. We have grown over the past year from about 150 to an average weekly of about 450 people in service. So every single week, our, our team, we, we, we measure because what gets measured gets multiplied. And so we measure small groups and we measure serve teams. We measure attendance. We measure salvations. We measure divine healings. We measure finances. We do all that thing because what we believe is this, what gets measured gets multiplied. And so I'm so excited about the growth that God is doing. But number two, I believe that this is just the beginning of what God wants to continue to do in our church that God has so much more in store. And when we all gather around in unity with one another, with a shared vision, then we are able to accomplish amazing things. And and the third reason that we're gonna do this series is because it serves as a reintroduction to those who are been hanging out with us for a while. Because sometimes we can get so busy in the church, we forget to be the church. Sometimes we can get so busy in the day-to-day activities that we forget why we ever joined this church in the first place. And when you lose your why, you lose your way. And so I wanna reintroduce or introduce who we are as a church throughout this series. And we're gonna cover our five 
core values. These are the things that make up who we are, what we do. Everything we do is really centered around these five things. They're not in your notes, but I want to go ahead and give them to you anyway. So pull out a pen and let's get ready to write this down. Here's our five values. Worship, community, evangelism, serving, and generosity. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say those again. Worship, community, evangelism, serving, and generosity. If you want to experience life change, Here's five things that we can do on a daily basis. And I can guarantee you, as you do these five things, without a shadow of a doubt, you will experience life change through? Jesus. But I want you to understand something is that for us here at Redemption, these are not little boxes that we check. This is a life that we live. Okay, we don't just check the box. Okay, did you worship? Okay, yeah, I went to church on Sunday, got that out of the way. Check. Right, did you, did you do community? Oh, I went to small group once, so I guess I, I'm life changed, check. Right, did you serve? I have before at my last church. Okay, check that box. Were you generous? Have you shared your faith with somebody else? I think once when I was in college, check. No, 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 these are not boxes that we check. This is a life that we live. Here's how we would say it at Redemption. Life change is a lifestyle. That's what we are after here at a church. This is what we'll say all the time. Life change is a lifestyle. It's not just what you do, it's who you are because of who Jesus is. Life change is a lifestyle. At Redemption, we live a life of worship, prioritizing the gathering of God's people to celebrate his presence. At Redemption, we live a lifestyle of community so that we can love God and others. We live a lifestyle of evangelism, sharing our faith with our friends and family. We live a lifestyle of serving by using our gifts and God-given talents to be able to make a difference in this world. We live a lifestyle of generosity going above and beyond because the Lord Jesus says it like this, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. This is a lifestyle for us here at Redemption. And so if you're new or if you're making a decision, is this the church for me? The answer is, are you wanting to live a lifestyle of life change? If so, then this is gonna be an incredible church for you. I say this because every single week, there are people who are walking through these doors for the first time or for the first time in a long time, and they're wondering, is this a place where I belong? Is this a place where I can raise my kids in the faith? Is this a place where I can experience hope and healing? Is this a place where I can see what God is doing in me and through me and around me for his glory and for the good of others? Is there a place where I can find deliverance? Is there a place where I could be set free from addiction? Is this a place where I can find divine healing of a broken body? Is this a place that I can call home? And I want to say beyond a shadow of a doubt, the end answer is a resounding yes, but it's going to take all of us to do it together. It can't just be me and Ashley who's teaching this message of life change. It can't just be our staff who's living out the core values of the church. It's got to be all of us together in community, committed to following Jesus at all costs. It's going to take all of us to experience life change together if we wanna be a church where people can experience life change for themselves. Because life change is a lifestyle. And so what I wanna do to kick off this series is I wanna introduce you to a man named Levi. He was one of the first people 
whoever experienced life change. His story is in Mark chapter two. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn there. Levi, when we first meet him, he was a tax collector. But that's not how Levi's story ends. He starts off as a tax collector, but he meets Jesus and everything in his life changes. He goes from being a tax collector to being a disciple. He goes from being a sinner to being a follower of Jesus. And I believe that Levi's story perfectly sums up our story and what God wants to do here in your life and as a church. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter two, as we learn four life-changing lessons from my man, Levi. Let's go ahead and open it up and we'll read through the whole section and then we'll break it down on the back end. Starting in verse 13, he, who's that? That's Jesus. Listen, before I introduce you to the church, I need to introduce you to Jesus because life change doesn't come through the church. Life change doesn't come through programs. Life change doesn't come from a pastor. Life change comes through Jesus. And if you want to experience life change, it only comes through Jesus. It is only, totally, solely all about Jesus. And it starts with Jesus. It ends with Jesus. And as a church, we experience life change together through who? Jesus. So it starts with Jesus. Here's what he says. He, that's Jesus. He went out again beside the sea and all the crowd was coming to him. And he was teaching them and he passed by. He saw Levi, there's our boy, the son of Alphaeus sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and he followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus. I just imagine Jesus kicking it in a lazy boy, right? He's just chilling at the house, just kicking it back in a lazy boy, chilling with all these tax collectors and sinners. And then here's what we see that happens next. And the scribes of the Pharisees, those are the religious leaders, the holy, religious, and pious people. When they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Like, you gotta say it like that, right? Because they're like, they're like, why does he eat with those people? You know, those people, those people who don't live and do the things that we say that they should do, those people. And, and here's what goes on. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but to sinners. Now, some people, they have this impression today that Jesus, he was just like um, uh, Mr. Rogers. Like he was just this nice, sweet, lonely guy in a sweater who was just wandering around ancient Palestine, sitting under a tree and saying, won't you be my neighbor? As if, as if this is who Jesus is. It's the portrait that many people in society paint of Jesus, but that's not the picture we receive from the Bible. In fact, when it comes to the Bible, Jesus was very popular. He was very famous and he was also very infamous. Some people loved him, some people hated him, but everybody knew who he was. Why? Because it says there was a great crowd that followed him. Sometimes in the gospels, we see that upwards of 20,000 people would come out to listen to Jesus teach. I mean, Jesus was a big deal. Today, we would say that Jesus was viral. 
right? I mean, he was in your For You page on TikTok. He, he was the headline story of every Fox News and CNN. He was on every magazine. He was the front page of every newspaper, right? He, he was all over your Facebook. People are talking about Jesus and criticizing him and, and loving him and blessing him and retweeting him everywhere he went. Jesus was a, a very big deal. It says there was a, a great crowd that was following him. And as Jesus entered into the town, in the middle of that crowd, there is a man whose name is Levi. And what, what is Levi doing? It says that he is a, a tax collector. Now, show of hands, how many of you love paying taxes? Anybody? Okay, nope, nobody loves paying taxes. I didn't think so. You're like, yay, I owe $5,000 this year. Thank you. Thank you, government. Um, well, take your love for taxes and multiply it by a thousand. That's how much people hated taxes in first century Judaism. And here's the reason why, because Israel was not yet their own nation. They were under Roman occupation and Caesar was their king. You ever seen like photos of the ruins of Rome or maybe artistic renderings of Rome, maybe paintings or maybe sculptures through art history class when you're in college, you know about the Roman roads. I mean, Rome was the greatest empire that the world has ever seen, more powerful and wealthy. It extended from Europe all the way down to Africa and to Asia. And you wonder, well, how did Rome get so powerful and so wealthy? The answer is through oppressive taxation, that they would tax people to the point to where everybody lived in poverty so they can continue to build their culture. And for the Jewish people, they were taxed the most. And what makes it really interesting is this, is that Rome wouldn't levy the taxes by themselves. No, they did something so much more nefarious. They actually hired or franchised out their tax booths to local criminals. And so the local criminals would be sitting there on the outskirts of town. And when you come into town, they would be there to collect your taxes. And as long as that criminal or thief would give Rome its cut, they could tax you for however much they want. It's a pretty lucrative deal. And so that's who Levi was. And, and here's how taxation would work. Let's say you could roll into town, you come from I-10, from Orange into Beaumont, and then you hit the downtown exit on your way to church. You would have to stop and they would tax you. You have to pay the the toll tax. But beyond that, if you are married, then you got to pay a tax for you and for your spouse and for all of your kids. And if you have food, you have to pay a tax on that food. And if your food is in a bag, you got to pay the bag tax. And your car has four tires. And so that's a tax, not only your car, but all four tires. And if you don't pay the tax, you don't get into town. And if you refuse to pay the tax, you get arrested and thrown in jail until you are able to pay those taxes. That's who Levi was. Levi was a tax collector. And Levi, according to Jewish tradition, a man named Josephus Flavius, he's an ancient historian, he, he says this. He says that tax collectors were considered worse than lepers because they were criminals and thieves and they worked for Rome. See, Levi is actually a Jewish name, which means he was Jewish. But now he's extorting taxes from Jewish people. Levi was probably raised in the church he probably went to synagogue as a little boy. He, he probably, you know, uh, he probably prayed, would go to temple every year with his parents and he would perform sacrifices for the forgiveness of his sins. But somewhere along the way in Levi's life, he turned his back on God. He turned his back on his religion, his nation, his people, his family, and he was a traitor. 
Levi, according to Jewish people, wouldn't be able to go to church. He couldn't read his Bible. He couldn't go to temple. He couldn't have his sins forgiven. He was an outcast. He was rejected. He was despised. He was the lowest of the low, the worst of the worst. He was the biggest sinner in town. Nobody loved Levi. And then Jesus comes walking into town. Great crowds following him. Who's Jesus going to walk up to? Who's Jesus going to choose to be his disciple? Is he going to go to the, you know, the, 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 the valedictorian of Jerusalem High School? Is he going to go to the best dressed? Is he going to go to the elite? Is he going to go to the politicians? Is he going to go to the wealthy? Is he going to go to the celebrities? Is he going to go to the Pharisees, the religious leaders who have it all together? Who's Jesus going to walk right up to? To Levi, the tax collector. And what does Jesus say when he gets to Levi? He says, you're filthy, you're dirty, you're nasty. I can't believe how big of a mess you've made of your life, you filthy sinner. It's not what he says. What does he say? He says this, he says, follow me. Come and be my disciple. Levi, I choose you out of everybody. I choose you. I pick you. I want for you to come and follow me. Listen, redemption, here's what you need to know is that God loves you as you are, but he will not leave you where you are. God loves you in your brokenness. God sees you in your sin and in your guilt and your shame. God sees you in your hopelessness. God sees you in your sin and he loves you in it, but he loves you too much to leave you where he found you. He wants to change you. God loves you as you are. He loves you in your sin, but he doesn't want you to stay in your sin. He wants to change you into being holy. God loves you in your brokenness, but he wants to make you whole. He wants to bring healing into your heart, into your life. God sees you where you're at, but oh, God wants so much more for your life than to stay where you are. He wants to create and change you into who he has created you to be. This is Levi's story. This is your story. This is our story. This is the story of redemption. He's that God loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you where you are. You know, we live in a society today that would discourage this idea. The, the world we live in today says you're perfect just the way that you are. There's nothing wrong with you. You just need to love yourself more. Nonsense. That's not the message that we see through scripture is that no one is perfect, not one, for we are all sinners deserving of wrath of God, hell, separation from the Lord Jesus Christ, that no one is righteous, not even one. We are all Levi's, filthy, dirty, sinful tax collectors. And then one day Jesus walks up to all of us and he gives us the same invitation. He says, come and follow me. And everything in our life, it begins to change. And so what I wanna to do today is I wanna give you four lessons from the life of Levi, a man who goes from being a tax collector to a disciple, a man who goes from being an outcast to an apostle, a man who goes from being unforgivable to a man who Jesus now calls his friend. And so here's the story of Levi. If you wanna experience life change, number one, it starts with following Jesus. 
Here's what it says. It says, follow me. That's it. And what does Levi do? He rises and he follows him. My friends, this is how salvation works. This is how it begins. What does Levi do? He just gets up and he follows him. Listen, if you're taking notes, write this down. Is that Jesus initiates and we respond. That Jesus is the one who calls and we are the ones who follow. Jesus initiates and we respond. Everything we're gonna talk about in the next couple of weeks, these core values, it starts as a response to Jesus. Why do we worship? Why? Because we are responding to Jesus. Why do we live in community? It is a response to Jesus. Why do we share our faith with others? It's a response to Jesus. Why do we serve? It's a response to what Jesus has done. Why do we give? Because it is a response to what Jesus has done in our lives. Everything we do is simply responding to Jesus. My friends, Jesus initiates and we respond. And here's what I love so much about Levi's story is that it's incredibly simple. You know, sometimes I think we can make becoming a Christian way too complicated for people, right? Like theological gatekeepers who try to keep others on the outside. If you want to become a Christian, here's this big long list of things that you need to do. You need to take a class. You need to go through catechism. You have to be baptized. You need to take communion first. You have to read this translation of the Bible. You got to dress this certain way. You have to speak in tongues in order for you to become a Christian. And here's the big long list of things that you need to do if you want to be a part of a church. We make it incredibly complicated to where there are real hurting, broken people who say, I'll never fit in there. I'll never belong there. I could never do that. And so then they they walk away because because we make it too complicated. Listen, the gospel is simple. What, What is it? Jesus says, follow me. And what is Levi's response? He gets up and he follows him. That's how simple this is. My friends, this is where life change begins. It's not about you cleaning yourself up first. It's not about you getting yourself ready. It's not about you going home and fixing all of your life problems before you come to church or before you come to Jesus. Listen, Jesus will meet you right where you are at because he wants to change who you are. You come to him just as you are and he will change who you are because of who he is. When I read Levi's story, I can't help but be reminded of my own story. See, like Levi, I was raised in church. I had good praying grandparents sitting right here on the front row. They they prayed and fasted and interceded. I grew up in the church. I went to church when I was a kid, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I went to school at a church and God help us if revival ever broke out because I ain't never leaving that place. But somewhere around the age of 15, I discovered, like, I'm not really a Christian. I don't really believe this stuff, and I don't want to go to church anymore. And so I stopped going to church. I started hanging out with others and joined a punk band and started traveling around and playing and hardcore music. And I developed an eating disorder and depression and drug addiction and very promiscuous. And I was suicidal, and I was a, a broken person. I think between the ages of 18 and 20, I smoked crystal meth pretty much every day. I, I got arrested. And I I was in jail for six months and I spent eight years on felony probation. And it was during that time after being arrested, I met a girl and this girl, her life was just as messed up as mine. Alcoholic father died homeless, mother unattentive to her emotional needs. 
completely broken, strung out on drugs, and we started partying together. And about a year into us dating one another, one night she just decided, you know what? I went to a Baptist church when I was a kid. I have this song stuck in my head. I can't get out. So she pulled out her 1998 Passion Worship album. And she put it on the, she put it, she, she put it on and she started listening and she would tell you, it's just like Jesus walked into that room. She began crying. She felt the presence of God in that room and she gave her life to Jesus. The next day she, she called me and she said, hey, Byron, I, I, I have something I need to tell you. Um, last night I gave my life to Jesus. I don't want to do drugs or have sex or keep partying anymore. In fact, I want you to go to church. I want you to take me to church. I said, that sounds horrible. I don't want to do that at all. <laughs> now, what I said was, okay, yeah, sure, we'll go. Because I was thinking, you're cute and this is just a phase. I said, I'll take you to church one time, two times, and then eventually you'll get over it and we'll go back to doing what we were doing before. And so we went to church and I don't know what happened. If it's the song, if it was the sermon, it's like everything was for me. And at the end, the pastor said, hey, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, the altars are open, come up and receive prayer. And like an outer body experience, I, I couldn't control myself. I just got up and I ran to those altars. I hit my knees. I gave my life to Jesus that Sunday. And my life has never been the same since. Yeah. That was 17 years ago. You say, well, who is that girl? Where is she at now? Her name is Ashley. She's my wife. See, listen, Ashley wasn't looking for Jesus. Jesus was looking for Ashley. I wasn't looking for Jesus. Jesus was looking for me. Levi wasn't looking for Jesus, but Jesus found him. Listen, if you're here today, the only reason you're here is because Jesus is looking for you, because Jesus has found you. If you're here and you're not even a Christian, you're wondering, why am I here? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus has been looking for you. Jesus has found you. Jesus has chosen you. Jesus is calling you right now. And he's standing before you saying, will you follow me? He's initiating salvation. The question is, will you respond? Will you Follow him. That's where life change begins. That's the first step in experiencing life change through Jesus is following after him. Well, what comes next? As the story continues, it tells us this. In the American Standard Version, it says, forsaking everything, he followed him. Well, what does that mean, forsaking everything? It means Levi didn't go back to collecting taxes. He didn't go back to a life of crime. He didn't go back to his sin. No, the old was gone and the new has come. Listen, Jesus wants to do something so radically in your life to transform and to change. He wants to make you new. Listen, here's what we would say. Why? Because it's impossible to meet Jesus and stay the same. What does the Bible say? That the old is gone and the same has come. It's not what the Bible says. The old is gone and the new has come. What does the Bible say? For I make you a same creation in Christ Jesus. I make you a new creation in Christ Jesus. In the book of Revelation, at the end of all things, Jesus says, behold, I make all things the same. I make all things what? I make all things new. 
Here's what we don't say at redemption. Life same through Jesus. No, you know, we say life changed through Jesus because when you meet Jesus, everything in your life, it begins to change. He changes who you are. He'll give you a new nature with a new heart, with new passions, with new desires, with a new direction, with new gifts, with a new future, with a new eternity. He will give you something new because he wants to change who you are. Levi doesn't go back to collecting taxes. No, he forsakes everything as he begins to follow Jesus and God does something new in his life. I wanna introduce you to a, a theological word that we don't hear very often in church these days, but it's very important. And some of you might, this might be the first time you've ever heard this word, which is unfortunate because it really is the basis for the Christian life. Do you know what this word is? It's called repentance. It's a word we don't hear very often, but it's the message that Jesus teaches. Repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. What does that word repent mean? There's a lot of different variations, but the, the original meaning is this, to change. To, to have an about face, to, to change directions. Okay, how many of you ever use like Siri or Apple Maps and you're going on your destination and you miss your exit? What, is, what does Siri say? Rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. That's Siri's way of telling you to repent because you're heading in the wrong direction. You need to do an about face. You need to turn around because you're going the wrong way. This is all of our lives before we met Jesus. We're going the wrong way. We're going towards sin and death and hell and destruction. Our face is towards sin and our back is towards God. And then Jesus walks up and he says, follow me. And in order for you to follow Jesus, you need to turn from your sin and begin to follow Jesus. You need to turn from your sinful ways and your ideologies and your, and your thinking and in your lusts and your passion and your sexuality and the woke ideologies of this world. You have to turn from your ways and begin to follow in Christ's ways. That's what repentance is. You can't follow Jesus and still head and live a life of destruction and hell. There must be an about face in your life to say the old is gone and the new has come. I'm not living that way, I'm living this way. I am turning from my life and I am trusting God with a newness of life. I'm forsaking everything as I continue to follow after Jesus. That's what Jesus is talking about here because it's impossible to meet Jesus and stay the same. So, So here's Levi's story. Jesus says, follow me, he gets up and he leaves everything behind. And he follows after Jesus. So my question for you is this. Number one, are you following Jesus? We say, well, how do I know? Number two, your life looks different today than the day that you met him. Like if your life looks the same, you didn't meet Jesus. If if you're still living in the same patterns of sin and you're still thinking in the same ways you did before you meet him, then you, you, you didn't make a conscious decision to follow Jesus. Because if you truly did follow him, your life would look different today than it did the day that you met him. So you need to go home this week and really ask yourself, like, did I meet Jesus and has he changed my life? Because that's what life change looks like. Number one, you follow Jesus. Number two, you forsake everything. 
And then number three, it says that you find your people, you find your friends. Here's how the story continues. What happens after Levi meets Jesus? He runs home and he throws a party. I think church should be a party. Anybody else? Well, yeah, church should be a party. We should have more fun. And as he reclined at the table in his house, Jesus kicking in a lazy boy, many tax collectors and sinners, they were reclining too with Jesus and his disciples for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was sitting with sinners and tax collectors, he said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick, it came not to call the righteous, but the sinner. So Levi, he experiences life change. He leaves his tax booth and his job and his profession, and he goes back home. And what does he do? He throws a party for all of his friends. Now question, who hangs out with sinners? Sinners, right? Levi was kicked out of the church. He's a reject. He's an outcast. He's the lowest of the lows, the biggest sinner in the city. So when he throws a party, invites his friends, guess who's inviting? Other tax collectors, other criminals, thieves, prostitutes, the, the lowest of the low. And there's a lot of them. And they come hang out. And guess who else is invited to this party? Jesus. Jesus is at the party. Now you would think that people would be like, I'm so glad for Levi. I'm so happy for Levi. He met Jesus. He posts a picture of his baptism on his Facebook wall and everybody's like, yay, Levi, I'm so excited. I've been praying for you. Right? Levi posts like, I met Jesus and all the comments are, you know, just gifts of like, you know, really happy, exciting things. Yay. That's not what happens. He says, hey guys, I met Jesus. And there's a group of religious people going, I can't believe it. Oh, I'm so angry. I'm so upset. How dare him experience life change? And why was I not invited to this party? <laughs> they weren't invited to the party. Do you know why? Because here's what Jesus does. Jesus takes the outsiders and he makes them the insiders. And then he takes those who think they're on the inside and he keeps them on the outside. This is what Jesus does. This is how the kingdom of God operates. What is up is now down. And Jesus flips the entire system on its head. And those who were unwelcomed are now the welcomed. And those who are esteemed by the world, they are now held on the outside. Because that's who Jesus has come to save. And they want to know, they say, why does Jesus eat with sinners? I'll tell you why Jesus eats with sinners. It's really simple. You know why? Because if Jesus never ate with sinners, he'd have to eat every meal by himself. Because everybody is a sinner. Because everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, some people just sin differently. But everybody is sinners. Some people, their sin is on the outside. And everybody knows it. But other people, their sin is on the inside and they do a really good job of hiding it. Some people, when they sin, it's obvious. Other people, as they sin, it's not so obvious. Some people's sin is, you know, on display for the world to see, but other people's sin is pride or bitterness or unforgiveness, resentment. But everybody sins. And the way we sin is just different. See, the Pharisees were just as big of sinners as the tax collectors. 
but they didn't recognize their need for Jesus. But the tax collectors, they did recognize their need for Jesus. Listen, God knows all, God sees all, God judges all, and God can forgive all. We all sin, we don't sin the same, but if Jesus never ate with sinners, he would have to eat every meal by himself. Now, how many of you are glad that Jesus eats with sinners? Because if Jesus didn't, then I would never be able to fellowship with him. How many of you are glad that Jesus spends time with sinners? Okay, if not, then I would never be able to be in his presence. First Wednesday, worship would be very lonely because Jesus would never show up and his presence would never be in the church. How many of you are glad that Jesus was friends with sinners? Yeah, because if not, then Jesus would never be able to call me friend. Right, this is who Jesus is. But did you know that there are still some people in the church today who act like Pharisees. Did you know that? Yeah, there's people who still get upset when someone else walks through these doors. There are people who still get upset when somebody else gets saved. There are still people who, who get upset that someone else experiences life change. And it even happens occasionally here in our church as well. Uh, I remember a few years ago, there was a couple who had been coming to our church. And during our last We Are Redemption series following COVID, they came up to me after service and said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I said, okay, well, what's up? What's up? They said, we're leaving the church. I said, okay, like, was it anything I said? Was there something like offensive? Because I know the sermon sometimes can be offensive. But they said, no, it's not it. I said, well, what is it? They said, y'all just let anybody come to church here. I said, wow. I said, apparently we need to tighten security because we let y'all come here too. I mean, I've been told this before. They said, they said, pastor, we just can't come to church here anymore. I said, well, why not? They said, because there's people outside smoking in the parking lot. I said, what were they smoking? <laughs> they were vaping in the parking lot. I said, oh, thank God. <laughs> you should have seen what they were smoking before they came to church. <laughs> That's what we call life change, baby. Jesus says it like this, I did not come to call the righteous. You know why? Because there is no one righteous, not even one. He came to save the sinners. Listen, it is not the healthy who needs the doctor, but rather it is the sick. And the church is not a museum for saints, but rather it is a hospital for sinners. And people don't need you pointing out all their problems. They need you to point you to the doctor who can heal you, who can deliver you, who can save you, who can change you, who can make your life brand new to comfort, to forgive, to deliver, to redeem, and to change their lives. So, so my question for you is, what type of church do you want to go to? Do you want to be a part of a church who are like Pharisees who have to pretend you have it all together? Or do you want to be a part of a church that loves to party with Jesus? Yeah. I don't know about you, but I love a good party. I love to party with Jesus. And here's the cool thing. Jesus loves to party with us. Like every single Sunday, here's what we're doing. We're just throwing a big Jesus party. 
We're just throwing a big Jesus party. You know why? Because every single week there's Levi's in this church who are experiencing life change. Every single week we have testimonies about addictions that are being broken, about hope that is being found, about lives that are being changed, about souls that are being saved and destinies that are being altered. I mean, I could just tell you story after story about what God has done in each person's individual lives. And that, my friends, is a reason for us to celebrate. That is a reason for us to get excited. That is a reason for us to sing. And every single Sunday, we're just throwing a big Jesus party because Jesus changes lives. Listen, here's what we said since day one. Like, here's the type of church that we want to be. When you think about redemption, here, here's, what, here's what we want. We want to be the church that unchurched people think about when they think about church. Say, so, well, what does that mean, the church that unchurched people think about when they think about church? Here's what it means. It means... Whenever you're 30 and your girlfriend tells you she's pregnant and you want to figure out how to be a man, you come to Redemption Church. Here's what it means. When you had too much to drink on Friday night, you wake up Saturday afternoon and you say, I'll never do that again. You come to Redemption Church. Whenever you're at work and one of your friends, they they invite you because you haven't been to church since you were 15. Where do they invite you to? Redemption Church. Whenever you're in the throes of depression and you're looking for hope. Oh yeah, that's right. Someone invited me to this church downtown and it's called Redemption Church. Whenever you are in your addiction and you can't break free, where do do you go? You go to Redemption Church. That's the church that we want to be, the church for people who don't go to church, like church, or know anything about church. We are the church that unchurched people think about when they think about church. And, and, and for those of you who've been following Jesus for 50 years and you think, I'm at the end of my life, but I want to invest my last years in making a difference. Where do I go so I can see lives change to where I can leave a legacy to where I can spend my final days living out the great commission of Jesus Christ by serving some of these young believers, by investing in some of these young leaders? Where do I spend my last days? I've been following Jesus for 50 years. Where do I go? You go to Redemption Church. Because we're the church for unchurched people. We're a church that wants to reach the lost. So that way we can see lives continue to change. Which leads us to the last part of the story. How do you experience life change? Number one, you follow Jesus. Number two, you forsake everything. Number three, you find your people, you find your friends. And then number four, here's what happens. You flip the script. How does Levi's story end? This is just where we meet him at. But what happens next? We meet him as a tax collector, but he doesn't stay a tax collector. We meet him as a criminal and a thief. Does Jesus leave him as a criminal and a thief? That's not how Levi's story ends. In fact, the very next chapter, we meet Levi one more time, but his name is no longer Levi. His name has been changed to Matthew. Today, there's 3.5 billion Christians on the planet. But on this day, there was only 12. And Jesus walks up to each of them and he says, follow me. Levi was one of the 12. And in Mark chapter three, here's what we see. As Jesus appoints the 12, he lists them out. Simon, he says, James, John, the brother of James, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, 
Thaddeus, Simon, and Judas. The change in Levi's life was so dramatic that he got an entirely new name out of it. That's how drastic the change was in his life. And, and here's what's so fascinating is that he was a thief, but do you know what the name Matthew means in Hebrew? Gift of God. That he goes from being a thief to being a gift. That's what God wants to do in your life. That you would go from broken to whole. That you would go from lost to found. That you would go from hopeless to hopeful. That you would go from somebody who is depressed or anxious, fearful, jealous, bitter, to someone who brings healing in another person's life. This is so amazing. This is Levi, who all of his life, there's been a script that was given to him. This is who you are. This is how you live. This is who you will always be and nothing will ever change. And then Jesus shows up and he flips the script of his story. He changes who he is. Listen, God is rewriting your story for his glory. God wants to take you from where you're at and move you to who he's created you to be. God has a better story for your life and he is inviting you into this narrative of redemption. That's what redemption means, the word redemption. It means, it means to be brought back. It means to be made new. It, needs, it means to be repurposed. It means to be given a second chance. Jesus gave Levi a second chance. And today he wants to give you a second chance. But how many of you are glad we don't serve a God of second chances? We serve a God of third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances and 10 chances and 100 chances and a billion chances. We serve a God who will never give up on you, never leave you, never forsake you. He will always be right there with you and he can change your life forever. God is rewriting your story. When you give your life to him, he will rewrite your story for his glory. for your good. This is what life change looks like, my friends. This is Levi's story. This is my story, Ashley's story. And this is your story as well as you give your life to him. And so you wonder, well, okay, if this is what life change looks like, how do I experience this life change? Come back next week. I'll tell you how as we start the series. But right now, what I wanna do is this. If you're here and you're looking for a church or you wonder, what kind of church is this? Is this a place where I can belong? Is this a place where I can serve and plug in? Who is redemption? So last line as we close, I want you to know this. At Redemption, we are a community of people who are committed to experiencing life change together. That's who we are. We are a community of people who are committed to experiencing life change together.